Welcome to the podcast for First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights. These are the audio versions of the sermons preached each Sunday. I hope you enjoy. Our first scripture reading today comes from Jeremiah 30, 18 to 19. Thus says the Lord, I'm going to restore the fortunes of the tents of Jacob and have compassion on his dwellings. The city shall be rebuilt upon its mounds and the citadel set on its rightful site. Out of them shall come thanksgiving and the sound of merrymakers. I will make them many and they shall not be few. I will make them honored and they shall not be disdained. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second scripture this morning comes to us from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 8. The point is this. The one who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And the one who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each of you must give as you have made up your mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance so that by always having enough of everything, you may share abundantly in every good work. The word of the Lord. Well, it is official. You are allowed to listen to Christmas music now. I know all of you waited until after Thanksgiving to start listening to Christmas music and watch movies like It's a Wonderful Life or Elf or my personal favorite, A Muppet's Christmas Carol, which I quoted on the front of the bulletin. But finally, after the long wait from Halloween, you can listen and watch these wonderful movies to your heart's content for the next 30-ish days. I love Christmas time. Honestly, it is my favorite time of the year, and yet I still force myself to wait until after Thanksgiving to start Christmasing up the place. I know others don't do that, and they, they take the opportunity at the first snow to start listening to Christmas music, or, or they start right after Halloween, or basically they give themselves any excuse to start listening to Christmas music as soon as possible. And I get it. Like I said, Christmas is my favorite, but I still wait. Is it because too much of a good thing is bad? Like if you eat too much candy, suddenly you hate that candy, or you get sick. It's a little like that, but it's also out of respect for Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving isn't just a preseason Christmas warm-up game where you gather with the same family you're going to see in a month, learn all of their crazy, and try to come up with defenses for it. All right, we need to avoid Uncle Jim before dinner because he gets hangry, cut Aunt May off after two eggnogs, and never let Cousin Timmy buy the fishbowl again. Thanksgiving is its own complete separate holiday with separate meaning in everything. This year, more than others, I've been thinking a lot about Thanksgiving and what it started as and what it means to us. So please indulge me as I go a little Alex on this sermon and dive into the history 
of Thanksgiving. In case you didn't pay attention or school or it was such a long time ago that you forgot, like me, Thanksgiving celebrates the second winter that the pilgrims were here in the U.S. In 1620, 102 passengers from the Mayflower landed in Cape Cod and then they traveled down to Massachusetts Bay where they established the village of Plymouth. Throughout the first winter, most of the pilgrims stayed on the ship and they suffered from scurvy and diseases and exposure to winter elements. In fact, about half of them died that first winter. During the spring, they moved ashore and they were greeted by a local Native American who introduced them to another Native American named Squanto. Squanto taught the pilgrims how to grow corn, extract sap from trees, catch fish from rivers, and how to avoid poisonous plants. He also helped them forge an alliance with the local Wapanog tribe. When the fall came, the pilgrims enjoyed their first corn harvest. And the governor of Plymouth, William Bradford, organized a celebratory feast and invited the Wapamnog tribe to join them. This festival lasted for three days. So the first Thanksgiving, which it wasn't called until much, much later, was a celebration of the harvest due to helpfulness, compassion, and hard work. It wasn't until Abraham Lincoln in 1863 that Thanksgiving became a national holiday. Now, I can honestly tell you that I didn't remember any of this. In fact, I had to look up all of this on History.com, which is the History Channel's website. But like any pastor worth his or her salt, I needed to go back to the source if I was going to preach on something. Right, Alex? Right. I'm still learning. So I needed to relearn the history of Thanksgiving, and I was not disappointed. Thanksgiving has long been a holiday for me about family and togetherness and counting your blessings about taking stock of your life and all of the wonderful things that you are surrounded by that you might not consider every day. I tried this last week, and I want to share with you a little bit of my process. I woke up in a bed. Already, I'm thankful. In a bed that has sheets and a comforter that keeps me warm and comfortable at night. I woke up next to my wife, Again, I'm thankful. Thankful that I was able to trick some poor sap into marrying me. <laughs> and now she's stuck. I turned over to grab my phone, see if I missed any texts or phone calls throughout the night. I got up to go to the bathroom, shower, get dressed, and head, headed downstairs. Already, I have more than a dozen things that I am thankful for. Bed, sheets, comforter, wife, phone, electricity, indoor plumbing, a warm shower, soap, shampoo, towels to dry off, fresh clothing that, are, that is clean. 
and I haven't been awake for more than 30 minutes. And these are only counting the physical things in my life. It's not mentioning the intangibles, like the love I feel for and from my wife, or the freedom I get to experience in this country. As I went through the day, it actually got harder to be thankful. Not because things were less of a blessing, but because the sheer number of things that I had been blessed with in my life was overwhelming. So what do I tend to do when I become overwhelmed by something? I stop engaging in it. I stopped counting my blessings because it became too much. I mean, a person can only be so thankful, right? I, le- I worked for a bunch of these things, so those, those things don't really count, do they? I deserve them, so they can't really be a blessing. I don't know if this happens to you, but when I actually stop and take stock of my life, truly look at my life and the things that I don't normally consider, I get a little defensive. I work hard for my paycheck so that I can afford rent and my car, my computer, my phone, these clothes, that comforter. So who am I really being thankful for if I'm the one paying for it all? I mean, yeah, I am thankful for the sunrise and the fact that bananas exist. I had nothing to do with either of those. But I earned my life, didn't I? I think this happens because I lose track of the reason behind counting my blessings. Even though I worked to pay off my car, the blessing that is modern transportation, the fact that I have a tool that can take me 13 miles in 20 minutes to and from work every day is truly a blessing. Taking stock of our lives shouldn't shame us, it should motivate us. It should motivate us to sow seeds. And this brings me to our second scripture for the day. Now I'm going to take a quick aside here for a minute. My second scripture this morning is often used by televangelists and prosperity gospel preachers. The one who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And the one who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. This verse has been used to say that you need to sow a seed by which they mean money to God, by which they mean their church themselves or their organization, and by doing so, you will be blessed bountifully. God will make you rich, or God will heal all of your ills, Or God will do that one thing that you keep praying about, but only if you sow a large enough seed. This, friends, is not the truth. Here is the truth. God is not a vending machine. God is not a genie. God will not grant your wish, whatever it may be, because you paid the right amount of money or because you prayed the correct way. God does not work that way. Also, God does not need your money. 
The fact that these preachers use this verse to say that the seed God wants you to sow is money is so infuriating to me. God has no use of your money. Now, don't get it twisted. The church needs money. Organizations need money, absolutely, but when you are sowing a money seed, you are not sowing it with God, you are sowing it with those churches and those organizations, and that is very, very different. I'm sorry I got off track a little bit, but I couldn't use this verse without speaking to that. Now, for those of you who have heard me pray a prayer of thanksgiving before, you know that the the prayer that's right after the offering, if you're still awake and alert at that time, you might have heard me say, bless us so that we may be a blessing to others. This is one of my favorite things to pray for, but I have to be honest when I say I didn't come up with it. They say 80% of ministry is borrowed, and in fact, I borrowed that quote. (laughs) And I borrowed that from Colossians. Paul says, and God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance, so that by always having enough of everything, you may share abundantly in every good work. So that, so that you can share abundantly. God can provide abundance so that you can share abundance. When you are blessed, you are to share those blessings. The reason behind counting our blessings is to be motivated, inspired, moved to share those blessings. After all, this is what Thanksgiving has been about since the first Thanksgiving. Squanto shared his knowledge of the land It might not have seemed like much to Squanto at first. I know how to grow corn. Everyone in my tribe knows how to do this. I know how to catch fish. There are many who are better than it than me. I know not to eat poison oak or poison sumac. Who doesn't know that? It wasn't until that knowledge was lacking in someone that Squanto's skills were a huge blessing. He shared his blessings. He sowed his seeds. Squanto helped the first pilgrims survive their second winter by sowing an abundance of knowledge and compassion. And he reaped the first Thanksgiving, a positive village-to-village relationship that would last for 50 years, one of the few in American history. I love the timing of Thanksgiving in this way. We are asked to count our blessings a mere month before we ask for a pet unicorn under the tree. If you were to believe advertisements in stores, your Christmas would be meaningless unless you got your family the perfect gift. That Christmas, actually no, that your life is not complete unless you get that new gadget or that new beauty product or this new amazing all-in-one tool. They even use slogans with deep meaning to try and trick you. 
Tis better to give than receive, so you better give a good one. It's the season of giving, which means you need to buy something so you have something to give. Make this a December to remember by buying a car for a loved one. Any other gift just wouldn't say, I love you, quite enough. But all of this becomes undone when we start to count our blessings. When we see that we already have an abundance in our lives, that we already have been blessed with so much, then all of these advertisements, they fall flat. In fact, looking at Christmas through the lens of thanksgiving gives it this bright new meaning. It makes Christmas a time to sow seeds. The seeds of blessings that I have, the ones that I am more acutely aware of because of thanksgiving. Do I truly need 30 different ties and four different pairs of dress shoes? Could I give some of those to organizations helping people who are experiencing homelessness so that they can dress for job interviews? I seem to have an abundance of books on my shelf. Could I give those books to a book bank or to a prison so that others who haven't had the same educational opportunities as me could read and better themselves or just escape from their world for a little while? I don't think I need the stockpile of canned goods in my cupboard. Could I donate those to a family who might not have dinner every night because their funds are a little tight? I know high school math. Could I tutor a student having trouble? I'm kind of fun to be around, I tell myself in the mirror every morning. <laughs> Could I visit someone who can't leave their home? I have two hours today. Could I check in on someone who I heard wasn't feeling so well in church this morning? I could go on and on. These are all things that I am blessed with and I can sow back into the ground and trust God to multiply, not for my benefit, but for the community's benefit. The harvest we reap is not one of personal gain. Our bounty should not be counted by our store barns, but by our table mates. Not by the amount of change that we have, but the amount of change that we've created. Not by the size of our house, but by the number of people we have allowed into it. We are blessed so that we may be a blessing. And in blessing others that they may be a blessing and they may be a blessing. And it is in this way that your sown blessings multiply. You sow in people and you harvest joy. Friends, let us from now until Christmas keep the thanksgiving spirit alive. That we will count our blessings which stirs in us to bless others. And in doing so, we sow seeds that multiply and spread throughout our entire world. Amen. Thanks for listening. And if you want to learn more about First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights, 
please visit www.firstpresah.org for more information on service times, directions, and to learn more about the First Pres family of faith.